0: Case number 22 2379,
1: Tatsral Bekabat et al. versus Merrick Garland. Mr. Hoppick, when you're prepared, please proceed.
2: Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court. I'm Matthew Hopick on behalf of Tatsral Bekabat and her spouse. Uh, This is an immigration appeal that involves a somewhat novel issue, both of where the court's jurisdiction lies in a denial of a motion to reconsider and in where the board immigration appeals jurisdiction lies in deciding issues of administrative closure and recalendering Um, we've argued in our briefing that this court has jurisdiction because either there's a removal order to review or the board thinks there's a removal order to review and even if it's not a removal order the board thinks it is that's enough for the petitioners to be in peril because the government will eventually enforce the re- removal order and deport them.
0: Can I ask you a question about that? So when I read the, read the BIA order, and it's not a mod, the order's plural, it's not a model of clarity. It talks about removal proceedings. It doesn't talk about a removal order. And I wonder if there's a difference there. And I know it was confusing, but I wonder if really what they were doing was just reinitiating proceedings.
2: Yeah, if they were reinitiating proceedings, so the removal proceedings, um, the statute refers to eight USC twelve twenty nine A, is the 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 process, the, the process of from start when they issue a charging document to when the judge issues a decision. If they were reinitiating proceedings, we go back to immigration court and have our preliminary hearings set for trial, have an asylum trial. Um, I agree that the board's decision is not a model of clarity, yeah. but what is missing from the two thousand twenty two order.
0: And the 2021 order is any removal order. Well, and I, you know, the other way to read it, and I I read it very carefully. They talked about removal proceedings uh, over and over again. I wonder whether just basically you have a pause in the middle, and then they talk about the removal proceedings, and then the voluntary departure just reinitiates, um, because that was the last order that was given. Again, not the model of clarity. We have to decide whether there's an error here, but that's how I read the order. So if the
2: board, if the board were on its, on its A game that day and it had actually reissued the decision that it now says it planned to, um, the board uses the word reinstate instead of recalendar. And those two words, I think, mean the same thing, but the board doesn't. But as to your question, recalendaring the case just means you're back on the docket. Reinstating something is like re, reissuing an order—the order of finally closing a case. But so let's say the board was on its a game and it wanted to reinstate that prior order, re, reissue or recalendar um, that prior order. The 2003 removal order uh, affirmed the immigration judge's decision. It was a removal order. The, Court's case in Kamek describes when the board affirms an underlying order, that order becomes final. That's how the regulations are worded, the Supreme Court said in Nasrallah. If we had that, then in 2021, the petitioners would have fair notice. You guys guys have been ordered voluntarily to depart. You'd have a voluntary departure period. If you don't obey the voluntary departure period, it becomes a removal order. And also, the order would need to state, the regulations require, that the order state that if you move to reconsider, your voluntary departure goes away. Uh, But utterly missing from this board's order is any warning that this is a voluntary departure order, what the voluntary departure period is, and the warning that the regulations require that if you move to reconsider, you'll vacate your own voluntary departure order. What's cute about the board's final decision in the footnote is they say, well, we really meant to reinstate voluntary departure. And since that was our intention, you moving to reconsider has vacated that non existent voluntary departure right and that 's
0: why I was I was pushing you on this because I think that that may have been what they meant to do, and they assumed that you knew that and then when you when you when you went and asked for reconsideration, of course that was the, one of the conditions of voluntary departure, so there was definitely a failure to communicate um, at, at some point between the parties i think
2: the, the problem and the reason they sought reconsideration is they couldn 't have sought review in this court because it wasn't a final order. What the board reissued was an order administratively closing the case. The other question is, how are the petitioners to know which is the clerical error? The board's 2021 decision says, we're going to reissue our 2003 decision, 2013 decision. But then they actually reissue the 2004 decision, 14 decision. was the board's reference to the previous order the clair error? or was the reissued decision with the stamp, was that the clair error? Petitioners don't know, and the vehicle to challenge that is to say, hey, board, reconsider, just tell us, clarify what it is we're, we're expected to do. We want to comply with the law. If we have to leave, we want to leave legally. And we don't want these criminal and civil penalties for having a removal order that uh, we don't even know if it's a removal order, but we could be jailed, fined, uh, not be allowed to back into the United States for 10 years. The, the vehicle was a motion to reconsider. They couldn't petition this court to review it because the court can only review removal orders. So they did all they could do. Um, the attorney general takes the position that because they moved to reconsider, um, that vacates the voluntary departure order that the board hadn't even issued, and, um, and that all this court can review is whether the board exercised its discretion properly in reconsidering. I think this case is much larger than that. Um, and So as an initial matter, I think the court has jurisdiction to say either this was not a removal order, dismiss the appeal, and clarify that they have not been ordered removed, then I don't know what happens. Perhaps we do reinitiate removal proceedings because you have these people in the United States kind of in limbo. Uh, Or to say this was a removal order, but it was done improperly. It violated the right to due process. It violated this statute and the agency's regulations. So do over, remand, and send it back to the agency to apply the law. If the court concludes that it has jurisdiction, at least on either of those options, um, then we get to the merits, where the board says that it, as the adjudicatory body, doesn't have jurisdiction to decide whether to administratively close cases or recalendar cases. That the prosecutor, the DHS in this case, is in charge of telling the board which cases it has to go forward on, which cases it can delay going forward on. But the problem for the board's position is that hasn't been the law for over a decade. Uh, in 1996, the board had issued a decision saying that the prosecutor could veto requests for administrative closure. But in 2012, the board issued its decision in matter of avatisian, saying that uh, that's not fair, that um, the, the board or the immigration judge has to be neutral, and so they should evaluate their request based on its merits. So which, which
1: board decision is it that's in front of us right now, that, that's that been raised by you is subject to our jurisdiction to
2: review? We know for certain the 2022 decision is before the court. To me, the open question is whether the 2021 decision is before the court as well. Uh, on the merits, this court's decision in Isenwa... Which and dates? In yeah, I'm sorry. Of,
1: give dates on, on, those deci- on, on which decision.
2: Yeah, the, I, I just know that it's cited in page... To the June seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. I'm talking about the court's precedent in the case Esenwa, where the court said when it's reviewing a denied motion to reconsider, it necessarily has to review the merits of the underlying decision. Um, that would be sort of on the substance. But to get to more directly to your question, whether the 2021 order is on review before the court kind of depends on whether you you take the board's final decision as reaffirming its underlying decision. In which case in theory i think
0: both are before the court um but technically speaking i think only the motion for i don't know i don't have the dates in front of me the motion for reconsideration is before us to get at that other decision i think you have to get at it through the motion for reconsideration don't you i think so
2: (laughs) and you know i don't think the petitioners did anything wrong or their counsel did anything wrong because they couldn't have petitioned this court to review and really you think about what options these folks have nasrallah says they can't file a habeas petition They can't file a district court action. All they can do is petition the federal court for review under 1252. And this court can only review final orders of removal. So this didn't become a final order of removal, really, until the 2022 decision. Our view, then, is that they're sort of part and parcel. You can't review them separately because the 2022 decision is saying, oh, wait, our
0: 2021 decision meant something
2: else that's not written in the decision.
0: I had a question about um, administrative disclosure and the prosecutorial discretion argument. Um, I read that, that case. that talks about um, no one has a veto power over closing it, uh, the administrative closure. What I didn't read that case to say was that um, both parties sort of have to agree to reopen it, that I think what the, the board's position is is that either party, can reopen the proceedings and start the, start the uh, put it back on the court's docket. Um, so I, I just want you to address that, because I yeah. think the latter happened here, not the former.
2: I'd like to address that. So there are two, two board decisions. Avetisian was about administrative closure, and there's no veto power over administrative closure. Matter of WYU came two years later, where they said, the same rule applies to recalendering. They said, we're going to use the same standard. And one of the main factors they said the judge has to consider in whether to recalendar is whether the movement has given a persuasive reason. That's the, in quotes, the persuasive reason. The matter of WYU says that's the main factor. The board's decision here says the movement doesn't have to give any reason because they're the DHS and they have, in quotes, exclusive jurisdiction over administrative closure. When, when administrative bodies throw this word around, just jurisdiction as well as courts, I think we should be really careful about what that means. Congress gave the board jurisdiction to decide motions to reconsider, motions to reopen. It's in the statute, as well as in the agency's regulations. For this agency to say, this other agency, the prosecutor in this case, is actually in charge of which cases we can reopen or recalendar, I think has really serious statutory implications, just from a jurisdictional problem. And it's also a due process problem, because uh, let's say there were two different rules, one for reopening or recalendaring and one for administrative closure. Um, if either side can just file a motion saying, hey, court, you're required to put this case back on your docket, the other side is going to cry foul. This is, we don't get a, a, a say. The, the court doesn't have to make a neutral judgment. And that's what the mat- matter of WYU is going to. There are two court of appeals cases that have read this in due process terms. There's the um, Mel- Melnitsenko Second Circuit case and the Ahmed v. New Casey case in the Ninth Circuit Um, I do think giving either party a veto power, either with administrative closure or recalendering, um, presents a situation where uh, one party isn't getting a fair shake. And that's, uh, I think, what the Due Process Clause requires. I'll reserve the rest of my time. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mr. Hoppock. Mr. Fiorino. Good morning. I may it please the court, Paul Fiorino for the Attorney General. This case is a lot simpler and more straightforward than uh, petitioner's counsel led on. Judge Smith, the only decision before the court today is the June 17th, 22 decision by the board denying reconsideration. And the issue before the court is whether the board abused its discretion in denying reconsideration. And that what the board looks at... In making that determination is whether the petitioner raised a legitimate error of fact or law in the prior decision, the prior decision being, I think, July 29, 2021. If the petitioner hasn't raised a legitimate factual or legal issue in that July 29, 2021 decision, the board denies reconsideration, as it did here. And the board did not abuse its discretion because petitioners raised no legitimate issue of fact or law in their uh, motion for reconsideration. With, with regard to the court's jurisdiction, um, it's not an issue at all in this case. there is jurisdiction because the, the petitioner filed his petition for review timely within um, 30 days of the board's 20, uh, July, June 22nd 22 decision um the when the court reissued its decision in 2021 it reissued its prior decision as of that date you read carefully what the board did so at that point the petitioner could have if he had wanted to file a petition for review in 2021 and preserve review of the merits of that uh, 2013 case They didn't do that. Instead, they filed a motion to reconsider with the board. Therefore, all of the merits of the case, the underlying asylum claim, are not before the court. Nor is the board's 2021 decision before the court because the petitioner didn't file a petition for review. So all we're left with is the single board decision
0: of uh, 2022 where it denied reconsideration. Council, what did the 2021 order do? I mean, I, I realize you're saying we don't get to review it, but I, I just don't know what exactly what it what it did.
1: It 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 um, reinstated removal proceedings. And I know that your honor has a question about that. The removal proceedings really is it's a term of art. It, it's not a recalendering, as petitioners' counsel said. There's no recalendering here. The case is done. It's it's reinstituting proceedings and putting. Starting the clock back from 2013, in 2013, where were we then? The board had issued a final removal order. And actually, back in 2013, the petitioner filed a petition for review that was subsequently under prosec- uh, removed under prosecutorial discretion. So that's where we were. And, and, and if you look at the board's decision, it's unmistakably clear what it did in 2021. It says, we're reissuing our, 20, our 2013 decision. Now, yes, they happened to append the incorrect decision when they issued that reissue decision, but there is no question in anybody's mind what they were actually doing. There's so no was, was
0: really quickly, was voluntary departure reinstituted then as well? No. Uh, had they taken advantage of that? No, because
1: as if you look at the 2013 order, the 2013 order says if you move for reconsideration your, your no, current. I understand
0: that, but prior, prior to the movement moving for reconsideration, would they have had a 90-day period to voluntarily depart, which was in the 2013 order? If the time hadn't run out, they could have, okay. but they didn't.
1: Okay. And just to be clear, that would, was following the 2021 order. Correct. They could have voluntarily departed within 90 days. Correct. If they had any time left, but they didn't. Okay. So there's no, there's no question what the board was doing in 2021. You go back and look at the 2013 order. That's where we were in July of 2021 just you know cross out the date and put July 2021 instead of 2013 that's where and then you look at the warning order and the warning says if you move for reconsideration there's no gotcha here there's no surprise and what warning order when was that issued that well that was initially issued in the 2013 order but by virtue of the court's reissuance of its prior decision, it was in effect in 2021. The order was only printed, so to speak, in the 2013 order. Right. Okay. But, you know, as I say, for all intents legal purposes, it was extant Understood. in 2021. Okay? So there's no, there's no gotcha here. There's, there's no um, surprise or anything like that. Um, Oh, and with respect to due process, I'd remind the court that um, due process requires a a fundamental liberty or property interest. And what we're talking about here is reconsideration um, and uh, ultimately prosecutorial discretion. Prosecutorial discretion is entirely uh, subjective. It's entirely discretionary, and there's no liberty interest in discretionary um, relief. Another distinction I want to make, which is very important, and i 've seen that um, our brief and the petitioner 's brief as well confusing administrative closure and prosecutorial discretion. It is true that nobody has veto power over administrative closure because administrative closure is a broader as a broader remedy than, than than prosecutorial discretion discretion administrative closure halts the proceedings for any number of reasons. It could be awaiting a, the, an imminent visa approval or something like that. Or it could be, as in this case, prosecutorial discretion. In, but it is legally true, and there's no dispute about this, that only the D- Department of Homeland Security has exclusive jurisdiction and exclusive discretion to grant prosecutorial discretion. Don't mix up the two. Okay, prosecutorial discretion is like a, sort of like a subset of administrative closure. When we get to administrative closure, yes, we are under the guise of matter of avatesian, and there are factors to consider. And if you take a look at the board's 2021 decision, you'll see that the board did in fact consider those. It, it considered first the fact that DHS wanted to, under its, under its discretion, wanted to reinstate proceedings. It considered that. And it also considered the fact that there was then no um, application for relief or anything. The application for relief, the voluntary departure, and the thing about the sun, that wasn't raised until the motion for, to reconsider. Okay, and, and the, that ship had sailed at that point. So when we look back at the board's 2021 decision, did it apply a matter of Evitesian? Absolutely did it abuse its discretion? Not at all. So when I, when I get up here and I say that this case is a lot simpler than it, than it seems, you know, I'd ask the court to keep in mind, you know, as Judge Smith asks, what cases before the court, what's the standard of review, and what was the board looking at? And when you, when you take a look at all of that, you know, you'll see that the board did not abuse its discretion in denying um, reconsideration. We asked the court to affirm the petition for uh, to affirm the board's decision to not deny the petition for review. Any questions? I don't see any. Thank, Thank you. Mr. Fiorino.
2: Mr. Hopak. Thank you, Your Honor. My colleague says that the board's order in two thousand twenty one. There's no clarity about what they were planning to do. But consider another factor we haven't talked about yet. It said it was granting the motion that the DHS had filed. But that motion asked that the board order the petitioners removed, not grant them voluntary departure. there's even this question of, okay, you say you're granting the motion. What are you doing? The board's decision doesn't say whether they're ordering removal or voluntary departure. And now the Department of Justice on appeal, sort of in this post hoc rationalization, I think once the board's decision to seem un, seem clear but it's not it's not clear um, in their both in their opposing the motion and in their motion to reconsider the petitioners argued hey the DHS is asking that we be ordered removed we should at least get to know if we're being ordered removed or if we're getting voluntary departure and the agencies I think the right thing for the agency to do would have been to answer the motion to reconsider in 2022 and just say, you have been ordered removed, or you are being granted voluntary departure. Uh, but given that the DHS was moving for— why,
1: why would there be an impression that voluntary departure was still on the table?
2: How is what? I'm sorry.
1: Why would, why would the appellants be under the impression that voluntary—the petitioners—voluntary uh, departure was still a, an available
2: outcome? Well, Mr. Fiorino just just argued that they could have left within 60 or 90 days. It's, it's the Department of Justice's view, not in the brief, but as I understood him this morning, that they did have voluntary departure after the 2021 order. Okay. Our argument back is nobody told them that. The order that was supposed to give them that wasn't reissued, wasn't attached to the decision. Uh, Mr. Fiorino also argued that they lost their chance of voluntary departure when they filed their petition for review in this court. But that's just not true. This court remanded the case to the board, putting voluntary departure back on the table um, if, if it were pursued. And if the board intended to issue a voluntary departure order or not issue one in 2021, it didn't say either way. However, there's a clue in the 2022 decision in the footnote. What, what was the effect of the motion to reconsider on voluntary departure? Well, that's what the board says. In their footnote, they say, because we planned to give you voluntary departure and now you've moved to reconsider you've vacated your voluntary departure order order under 1240.26. For that regulation to apply, you have to have told them they're getting voluntary departure. You have to have told the, the voluntary departure period and warned them of the consequence of filing a motion to reconsider. Just to be clear, is the voluntary departure in the 2013 order? It is, yeah. And that was the order that they petitioned this court to review, Then the parties jointly agreed to remand the case. The court granted their motion on that settlement agreement so that the case would be administratively closed. And it sat there for a decade until the DHS prosecutor in this case decided, hey, board, you're required to reopen. I want to say one more thing about that, the the distinction between prosecutorial discretion and and, uh, uh, administrative closure. It's true that the DHS has the, the, the exclusive authority to decide which cases to commence that's the word that Evattisian uses. They don't have exclusive authority to tell the Department of Justice which cases to go forward on once the case has commenced. The board here twice now has said that the DHS has exclusive jurisdiction over which cases to recalendar and its own precedents. The main case is Matter of WYU, and this court's case in Gonzalez Vega, which said that's an applicable standard, just say that's just not absolutely not true. Uh, what we would ask the court to do is to remand this case to the board to. Clarify whether the petitioners have been ordered removed, voluntarily depart, uh, or whether the case is being reopened or reinstated. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mr. Thank you, also, Mr. Fiorino. And the court appreciates both counsel's presence and participation in argument today.